This is the Dan and Aaron like o rama Music! So this is the second episode of our um, uh, Beauty and the Absurd, uh, Beauty and the Hybrid of Logic and Absurdity uh, series. Um, this episode, uh, the previous episode, we focused on um, the written word of uh, 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 Jari and um, his work uh, in uh, Faust role and uh, the, the concept of pataphysics and taking um, uh, uh, taking the concept of removing all logical physical concepts uh, from anything that's in discussion and saying, uh, now we're going to talk about the opposite of that as if it's perfectly normal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it, this, we're this all is, normal here. Yeah, the thing that I love about this is that this gets beautifully made um, because the the folks that write about this stuff and the folks that, that discuss this stuff, uh, they write these very, very long critical research papers on what is essentially like verbal gobbledygook. <laughs> and um, they, they're able to, you know, kind of establish themselves with high degrees of clout, saying in, in highfalutin words, uh, it's all nonsense. Mm. And uh, the only way that they know that this is all nonsense is because they spent the time to read Faust Roll. Um, yeah. Uh, now, and, and, and tonight's book, uh, The Futurist Cookbook. Maybe they read yes. that one, too. Uh, yeah, I, I've possibly. often, as someone, as an overeducated person with too many degrees, I've often thought that my English, uh, my literature education made me a little bit of a better writer, maybe, but it mostly uh, helped me get all the jokes. Yeah. So when I when I see Shakespeare, I get all the jokes is kind right. of what I got. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. if you're just looking for pure knowledge, hey, have fun. But uh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I studied for six years and uh, now I get all the jokes. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, my English degree primarily Jerry. got me the ability to uh, watch um, all of American media and um, to <laughs> yes. go from go from being depressed when I watch it to going, aha, I know what's happening here. Ah, that's <laughs> foreboding. Ah, that's irony. Aha, that's karmic <laughs> soliloquy. <laughs> that's why I feel bad. Yeah, right. I Now I can contextualize why I... Uh, am uh, taking more uh, Ambien than I was before. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway. so with that in mind, uh, we now go back in time to two hours ago or two weeks ago, depending on whether you are you or us. And uh, we, we will now have a, a sloppy cut directly into part two of our weirdo trilogy our absurd weirdo trilogy. This is the futurist cookbook by a bunch of uh, dickheads. We now go to Dan and Aaron, already in progress. Uh, anyway, so the next uh, weirdo, the next old weirdo that I dove into was uh, a pair of weirdos 
F.T. Marinetti and uh, someone who only goes by Philia, and they wrote the Futurist Cookbook. The Futurist which, Cookbook. Oh, I like this. And uh, one of the in the in the Mike Patton episode, we talked about his solo album with John Zorn, Pronzo. Oh Ultra yeah, Old Transista. Yeah. And this is the book it's based on. Ah, and all it. of the track titles are recipes from ah, the book. Neat. Okay. Uh, all right. They uh, the track titles on the album translate as "Candied Atmospheric Electricities," "Raw Meat Torn by Saxophone Sound," "Food in a Bowl," "War in Bed," right? Tactile side dish. Yeah. yeah. The nutrient noises, geraniums on a spit. Right. Arrow meal, explosion in the throat, green light milk, and hand grenades. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the Futurist Cookbook. First, let's talk about Futurism. They were... The Futurist was an Italian, and it spread a little bit to France and Russia, but it was mostly Italian movement from like the teens to the 30s um sort of right around the beginning of world war one and then it kind of petered out once world war ii started happening because everyone sort of got busy doing other things right um they were obsessed with speed uh industrialization airplanes Cars, motion, just fast, 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 fast. Um, it was painters and sculptors and poets and stuff, and they tried to capture speed. Um, futurist paintings are some of the most difficult ones to wrap your head around of that era, of the sort of pre-war era. Um, if you've ever seen Marcel Duchamp's New Descending a Staircase Number 2, where he tried to capture the body, it's sort of like if you took the cartoon, the cells for a cartoon of someone going down the stairs and overlaid them all at once, is kind of like what that painting looks like. Oh, that's right. I've seen that before. Yeah. Where it's like the sort of orange figure coming yeah. down the staircase. Um, and so that painting is sort of right on the border between modernism and futurism. Uh, it was, you can see too much motion for the modernists to like it, and you can make out the figures too well for the futurists to like it. So it was sort of this no man's land, uh, one specific painting. Um, and so the futurists were... They were kind of like today's tech bros. Okay. If it's new, it's good. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's fast, it's good. Right. You know, disruption is good. Um, and they they really love glass and metal decor. Right. And also, at random moments, they're racist, and they're inexplicably really into fascism. Uh, the The futurists were very early, very vocal proponents of Mussolini. They thought he was awesome. Right, right. (laughs) They were really into fascism. Everything was about making Italy the best at everything, making food Italian food, making music Italian music, making art Italian art, you know, making Italy the premier 
fill in the blank of every category. Right. Okay. Uh, and so that like extreme nationalism uh, turned into fascism pretty easily. That yeah, they were like really into Mussolini. I don't I don't get it. That's but kind I'm of not a fascist. Yeah, so, yeah. So who knows? Right. Um, but aside from that, oh, uh, the the this book. So I mean, like, yeah, there's a there's a ton that you can yell at the futurists for. Being fascist is just the most obvious one. Right. That's not super great. Um, you know, there's also a lot of, you, you, you know, being obsessed with speed and machines and industrialization. You can have problems with that. But I'm just going to set all that aside and just talk about this weird, weird, weird book. <laughs> all right. It's a weird book, The Futurist Cookbook. Right. Um, so, yeah, we're going to ignore all the fascist stuff. Um, th- so they were obsessed with, if it was old, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to basically get rid of all the current um, sauces and spices as uh, cliches. Just get rid of them, start over. Um, they called their, they, anything conservative, they called it uh, passeist. Okay. It was sort of the opposite of a futurist. Um, in fact, one, there was an anecdote in the book. Uh, uh, there, the book is, it starts with their manifestos and the history of it. And then it, there's a, a series of newspaper articles from various European papers uh, with our, that are like examples of the futurists giving a dinner and people's reactions to the food and the presentation um, one of these dinners started very late, like midnight, like really late. And this newspaper editor was there and uh, he went to one of the one of the futurists and he goes to him. He says, uh, you know, when it comes to timeliness, you're like the Paseus. Wouldn't you want to start early? <laughs> and the immediate response, well, what could be more futurist than eating in the future? I just thought that was like, okay, that was pretty witty. You got him. Okay. No, that's clever. Yeah, no, I dig that. Um, so, yeah, so that's sort of the, the background of this strange little book. And some of these are just ideas. Right. And there's a lot of like, here's, here would be a good meal in this situation. And, you know, it's like if you're, you know, there's like a meal for two hunters and the sun is hitting them in just this way and they have caught these specific animals and now they want this. And it's just an example. It's not like here's how to serve it. First, you need to get two hunters and then you right. send them out. It's not like instructions. It's just an example. Um, but so there's a lot of there's a bunch of those where it's like, let's say you're this woman or let's say you're this guy. This is how, wouldn't this meal be great? But their number one rule, and they, in, in their manifesto, I, you know what, I have the book with me. I'm going to find their rules. Um, because it's like, it's some like 14 point deal. Okay. 
Um, but their number one, oh my God, you have to do it this way rule is no pasta. <laughs> okay. That was the like, that was the hand grenade that they threw into uh, Italian culture. So them and the Pastafarians, not good friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they would not get along. They no. said they said that uh, pasta made you slow and they, it was heavy and you didn't digest it and it, it just sat in your stomach well, like glue. I mean, technically they're like, not wrong, you know? I mean, if yeah, you don't eat like, a bunch of okay. pasta and then you go, like, exercise afterwards, then yeah. But yeah, it's it's very heavy. It's very starchy. It's like, it. OK, yeah, cool. I can get on yeah, with I this. Can, I can dig that. Um, except uh, the reason is because uh, it makes you slow and we need people to be fast so that we're ready to have victory in war. It's like, oh, well, hang on. Eh, Crap. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, OK, yeah, I can buy that. I can. Oh, this is that fascism Mussolini shit sticking in. Yeah. It? Oh yeah. man, you you fascist. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, so I I found their their rules. Yeah. Uh, the abolition of pasta and all about that. Uh, they said rice is great. Do rice, but not pasta. All right. Uh, they wanted no white bread. Wheat bread is okay, but not white bread. Um, the abolition of volume and weight in the way nutrition is conceived and evaluated. The abolition of the traditional mixtures in order to experiment with all of the seemingly preposterous new mixtures. Um, the abolition of mediocre quotidianism in the pleasures of the palate. I don't know what that means. I didn't feel like looking it up. Right. Um, but right. it has... The sort of idea in that section, he talks about how machines will save you time and labor so that, you know, you can spend more time thinking, to quote Jim Henson, uh, in something we talked about, I don't know, ages ago. Um, oh, in the, uh, it was the, the one you were just, the episode you were just talking about. The Turbo the, Encabulator one? The Turbo Encabulator, yeah. Right. We were talking about a Jim Henson commercial that he did. Um, oh yeah, right. Um, people can do the work, but or, or sorry, yeah, machines should do the work so that people can think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Oh, okay. So quote, quotidian is uh, it happens every day. So it's day to day mundane stuff. Mm, so it. yeah, so the abolition of mediocre mundane everyday stuff uh so he uh get rid of the manual work less manual work means more time for doing whatever you want expanding your brain and again this is the same stuff we've heard from industrialization right. from factories mm -hmm. except you end up just doing more work because you're more productive right you're still doing 40 hours or more um uh, blah 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 originality 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 um, the abolition of the fork and the knife <laughs> okay and these recipes there's no forks and knives the use of the art of perfumes to aid tasting um, and some of these there's pr there's 
uh, waiters spritzing perfume at you as you eat, or there's fans, electric fans sending in perfume. Uh, the use okay. of music, re- the use of music only at the interval between the courses, so it does not distract <laughs> the sensibility of the tongue and the palate, but serves to obliterate the flavor just enjoyed. Reestablishing a virginity of taste. So it's a palate cleanser. Music only as a palate cleanser. Music only as a palate uh, This is interesting. So this is getting the into abolish- that. Go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 go. I, I'm just entertained by the concept of, like, it's it's this, like, um, concept of making sure that absolute mental devotion is placed on one single sense as opposed to having the brain... Uh, multitask between multiple senses it's clever anyway sorry yeah um the abolition of oratory and politics at the table um measured doses of poetry and music as surprise ingredients (laughs) (laughs) um the rapid presentation under the nostrils and eyes of the diners between one course and the next of dishes they will be eating and others that they will not to encourage curiosity surprise and imagination (laughs) so you show them some food and then you don't give them that food um that's awesome i love it the creation of simultaneous and changing morsels that contain 10 or 20 flavors to be tasted in a few seconds um and finally a supply of scientific instruments in the kitchen so now it sounds like you know the gastronomy places right yeah i was gonna say yeah ozonizers to give liquids and foods the scent of ozone this is I don't know why definitely you would want that. getting That's into disgusting. the gastronomy restaurant type of stuff yeah yeah uh lamps for the emission of ultraviolet rays <laughs> uh electrolyzers to break down juices and extracts uh, colloidal grinders for pulverizing flowers, dried fruit, drugs, etc. Um, yeah, autoclaves, uh, dialyzer, dialyzers, you know, dialysis things. Okay. It's it's goofy. Right. It's ultra modern. It's ultra yeah. technical. Right. Yeah. It's it's ultra. So yeah, mo- like it's like the tech bros. Yeah, it's ultra modern to the point of. It also, yeah, it also reminds me a lot of the um, process uh, that the tech bros go through of um, rebranding old things as new things, where, like, Mm. you'll see those Kickstarters where they'll be like, you know, this is an amazing new Kickstarter for a fantastic concept that I have for a self-powered autonomous car that operates on rails and only requires a minimum of controls. All you have to do is just go fast or go slow, and it singly, singularly requires a throttle. And all of the decisions about where the cars will go will occur at a centralized network hub far away from the cars. Right. At which point you respond... And, and it fits a hundred people. Right, at, oh. at, at which point everybody goes, didn't you just invent trains? You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, okay. Yeah, there was literally one where it was like, what if it was a mass Uber on a set schedule? It's like, you mean a bus. Yeah, exactly. You invented the bus. <laughs> yeah, that's a bus. Okay. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, but this is, um, but this is, the, the their goal is to have as little, um, as little resemblance 
to traditional cuisine as possible. It's a so, fascinating concept. I mean, I really like the, uh, I, I really like where they're going with it because it, it's um, the biggest thing that I enjoy about it so far is the idea of, um, and I know I feel like I'm going in a loop here, but the, the idea of not multitasking your senses while you're eating so that the experience that yeah. you occur well, uh, that, that occurs while your taste buds and your nostrils are taking in the food is the purest sensation, purest version of that process of, uh, sensing and digesting the food as possible. It's, it's almost, it reminds me of, um, like, uh, I don't know when, when, when you do radio stuff, uh, or, or when you're, um, doing, um, uh, environmental quali- qualification testing, there are these, uh, um, buildings that are called the anechoic chamber, which are just basically, um, Oh yeah. 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 I mean, soundproof. Yeah. It's a soundproof room yeah. basically. And, uh, but the thing that's really wild about a, uh, anechoic chamber is that beyond just being a conventional soundproof room, it's like they, they have very specifically designed the grid patterns that are on the walls to break up and destroy the wave patterns of the type of waves that are going to be tested in that room. And that's so awesome. It's like the work that goes into designing that chamber is almost as much. It, it, it's almost as equal as the work that goes into designing the equipment that's going to be tested in it itself. And that's what this reminds me of a lot. Is it reminds me yeah. of like the amount of work that goes into preparing the experience of eating the food is almost equivalent to the level of effort that's going to go into preparing the food as well. It's it's yeah. it's now I'm like. I'm like, I'd like to eat at one of these places. <laughs> I want to well, have this experience at least once. See what this is like. Well, let's. When you hear some of these recipes, you might change your mind. Okay. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, like you said, it's the. It's. You're talking about like removing, the other senses inputs. Right. Um. It's like making it very specific and to borrow a trendy term purposeful right yeah it's exactly purposeful sensory input right um so there's nothing distracting it's you have the, well let me give you <laughs> let me give you an example right one of them is the uh one of their their most famous was the uh Aero Vivanda. That is uh, one of the one of the tracks was called this Aero Vivanda, the right. Aero Meal. Okay. The diner is served uh, a plate that contains an olive, a fennel heart, and a kumquat. Okay. There is also a cardboard rectangle, and on this cardboard rectangle, there's some um, there's a section of sandpaper one of silk and one of velvet. Okay. And so while your right hand picks up the food and brings it to your mouth, the left hand strokes the corresponding rectangle, the corresponding surface on the cardboard rectangle. (laughs) In the meantime, the waiters spray the napes of the diner's necks with a perfume of carnations. While... (laughs) What the while, fuck? 
<laughs> while there's a horn that's, I, I think the translation was like an English horn, so kind of like an oboe, doing an imitation of frogs. <laughs> Other people surfed it with an, uh, an airplane motor in the next room. It, it, they couldn't get a whole airplane motor, so they usually had to use like a scooter motor, a motorcycle motor, but still a motor right. in the next room to give it that airplane quality. They were really into like looking down from airplanes, being in an airplane. There was a whole feast where the they changed the whole hall to look like, you know, the banquet hall to look like an airplane how the tables were arranged there was a fuselage there was a tail wing all this stuff that's amazing so yes yeah, so that's <laughs> that's Aero Vivanda um oh my god uh there is the uh <laughs> uh the milk in a green light you have a large bowl of cold milk a few teaspoons of honey some black grapes and several red radishes illuminated by a green light. Okay, so uh, far this off- is not terrible. And, uh, but, but, see, yeah, it's milk, honey, uh, grapes, radishes, but it has to be green. So, okay. I don't know, green milk kind of makes it a little off-putting. Yeah, I mean, as long as it doesn't taste bad, and, I guess. I, yeah, yeah, That's so that's a pretty, like, okay, yeah. okay, this one we can do. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, polo fiat. I know polo means chicken. In Spanish, it's pollo. In Italian, it's polo. Fiat, I know from the car company. I don't know if it was named after the car company. They were around by then, but I can't find an Italian translation of Fiat. Oh, so it's chicken all the day. Right. Yeah, because Fiat, the car company, is a four-letter acronym that's like the car company of Italy right. or whatever it stands right. for. So I don't know if that's what it's referring to. Who knows? Polo Fiat. You get a chicken... Uh, a, a good size chicken and you you boil it for a, a little while right you take it out and before you roast it you fill it with a coxcomb that you've cut into slices hold on um googling coxcomb because i know it's not what it's, i think it is <laughs> it's it's the the thing on a rooster's head Ah, got it now. Okay, got it. Got the it. the red wobbly thing yep. on a rooster's head okay. is a coxcomb. Got it. Okay. So you have one of those, and you slice it up, and you put that inside the chicken. All right. And then you also fill it with ball bearings. So it has a slight metallic taste. And then you roast <laughs> it. You yeah, sew well, it up and you roast it. Gotta make sure you get it. the ball bearings in there. <laughs> and uh, that's served with whipped cream on the side. Mm. Delicious. Yeah. Now we're now we're into the uh, Monty Python Crunchy Frog territory. Yeah. yeah. It's so Crunchy Frog, yeah. dude. Yeah. Um. There, <laughs> there is the tactile dinner. Spring out into your cheeks. That's the surprise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. The, <laughs> the tactile dinner is a multi-course meal. Uh. There are pajamas in the first room. 
The guests arrive. Each of them changes into a pair of these pajamas. Once they've all arrived and changed, they're taken into an empty, dark room, and they can't see. Um, in each of these pajamas is covered in cork or sandpaper or something tactile. And when you're in the dark room, they're unable to see. They feel each other's pajamas, and they choose a dining partner based on tactile inspiration. Once they're paired off, they enter the dining room, which is tables for two, and they find out who they're eating with. <laughs> okay. Um, one of the courses for this dinner is the polyrhythmic salad. Um, <laughs> and it is a box containing a bowl of undressed lettuce leaves, dates, and grapes. The box has a crank on the left side. Remember, there's no forks, no knives. Right, right. <laughs> so while they, <laughs> while they eat the, the lettuce, dates, and grapes with their uh, right hand, their left hand is cranking the box, which produces music. Um, and the while this music is playing, the waiters dance around to it until everyone's done eating. Can they just not just, crank the box and devote both hands to eating the salad? Or, well, I mean, you could. Yeah, I guess. Um, this is one one of the articles in the in the book. Uh, re referred to this one, but it didn't. It wouldn't say what was in it. Right. Uh, luckily, the last like thirty pages or so are just a list of recipes. Uh, the timbalo d'aviamento, introductory timbale. Timbale is in the right, right, right. The timbales, yeah. Uh, introductory timbale. A calf's head, floating among pineapples, walnuts, and dates. A what's head? A, a calf, a baby calf. Oh, a baby, oh my god. Okay, alright. So, all right. it, it's just sitting there. Yep, 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 Among yep. these fruits and nuts. Um, oh, and when you... <laughs> yeah, I also noticed they didn't, they didn't caveat whether it was cooked or not, so, yeah. That's true, yeah. it didn't say. Yep. And, uh, also, when you bite, when you bite into the date, what do you think's inside the dates? What, what do you think the dates have been filled with? Uh, I'm going to guess, once again, probably something metallic from the hardware store. It is not metallic. I'll give you one more guess. It right. is edible. It is edible. Uh, well, that doesn't really narrow it down that much, as a variety of things are edible without <laughs> killing you. Um, it's you traditionally seen as food traditionally seen as food yeah it's not it's not oh well dirt is edible you know it's it's well that narrows it down to uh cat litter or uh <laughs> bacon bites i don't know what is it Dan? <laughs> dates filled with anchovies oh that's not fair <laughs> I mean, the, calf, <laughs> the cow's head in a questionable state of cooking was one thing, but the yeah. dates filled with anchovies? I mean, that's just mean. Uh, that's just mean. That's, yeah. 
<laughs> oh god oh god um if we're going back to the the mike Patton record uh pranzo olis transista uh old transista uh that um translates from italian it translates as extremist meal <laughs> so the extremist meal first you fast for two days um <laughs> Okay. This one. Now I didn't I didn't giggle at this because I'm like so far with with the level of absurdity that's gone into the descriptions of the meals themselves. I'm like That's true. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that matches yeah. up naturally. Okay. So you, yeah. you can't eat so you pull a Gandhi. You eat nothing right. for 2 days. Right. Yeah. And then and then you then sit down to eat uh you a sit bowl down of milk to this with a dinner. calf's head in it with uh No, no, uh, no, no. no. No, <laughs> you don't eat for two days. Okay, you come to the the meal. Right. You sit down. There are three plastic replicas of food, of different kinds of food. Oh my dear lord! And each replica emits the aroma of that food. Oh my god! Come on! You sit there and smell food, <laughs> um, and and then. Uh, Angry cooks burst in and yell at you for not eating. This okay, so this is starting to sound familiar. <laughs> I could swear you and I either read about this or went down this road at some point because I specifically have a deja vu about hearing about this or reading about this at some point. Okay, I could. Swear, I don't remember. I was, I was reading this and I was like, what? I could swear that um, you and I like went down the rabbit hole. Maybe, maybe we did. Maybe we didn't. Like I could swear yeah. you and I. It went might have been this, you and someone else. I don't know. Possibly. I, I I feel like we did this rabbit hole maybe like two decades ago, and then maybe completely forgot <laughs> about it. You know, which is Could entirely be. possible. A lot of things have happened yeah, between yeah, yeah. that and now. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. So, so the, the cooks are the yelling. The cooks come at in you. and yell at you. Yeah. How for the not hell eating. are you? Why the hell are you not eating our plastic flavored food? Okay. <laughs> our plastic replicas yeah. of food. Right. And then there is, quote, a deafening five minute ring dinging of bells. <laughs> Not just a ringing, but a ringling dinging. <laughs> five minutes is a long time. Yeah, yeah. That's a very long time. Now, now I'm now I'm going uh, again with the, the Monty <laughs> Python brain. I'm going to. Um, Good night. Ring a ding 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 yeah. ding 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 ding. Yeah, a John Cleese character would definitely come up with this torture. Right, right. So finally, uh, so so after the five-minute deafening, uh, there are vacuums set up in the room that suck the smell out of the room. Okay, well, that's good. That's So yeah. now you get new smells. Right, all right. Rotten herbs, old burned rushes, ammonia, and carbolic acid. <laughs> what is carbolic acid? Hold on, all right. I gotta Google that shit too. Carbolic and and acid. there's also little tiny French doors that you can flip open with a button, with a, with an electric button, and uh, depending on which door opens, you'll get the sense of fruit or the sea or irises. It's just <laughs> there never is any food. It's just smells. It's just the smells of the food. It's just smells and abuse. There's no actual food. <laughs> okay, here we go. 
Phenol, also called called carbolic acid, is an aromatic organic compound. Uh, it's a white crystalline solid that is volatile. A, it, it apparently it requires careful careful handling because it can cause chemical burns. But uh, whatever carbolic yeah. acid is, apparently it smells, and <laughs> it's it can uh, smell. It can fuck up your fingers. Yeah, yeah. There, no, it's yeah. not described as being a particularly good smell either. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> okay. So All right. It's so. Why would you? Anyway, and they're like, "Yes, this is the future." Yeah. And so you know, some people are like, "Maybe he was joking. Yeah. Maybe he's serious. Maybe yeah. he's a crazy person. Who knows?" No, this is bordering um, up very closely on pataphysics. We're like, we're like yeah, starting yeah, yeah. to fall down that that uh, that slippery slope yeah. into the pataphysical now. <laughs> what do you serve so, at this uh, restaurant? Well. Let me tell you something. Once you've once you've visualized and defined all things that are real when it comes to food that you could eat in a restaurant, we've eliminated all of that and brought in all yeah. of the exceptions to the rule. Have I introduced now you, you know to what's our, not on the menu? Yeah, have I introduced you to our sous chef Alfred Jari? <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Um, a, a, a few. I, I just have a few more. These are just I. I had to really pare it down. Okay. Some of these are just like actual, here's a cocktail recipe. But some of them are like, wow, what are you talking about? Right. Oh, and speaking of cocktails, any term that was from another language, yeah. like Mater D or cocktail, they he came up with a Italian term for it. Okay. So there's that also. All right. Um, just another nationalist fascist right. uh, identity thing. Um, so, uh, the, in the patent episode, this is the, we, I played a clip from this, uh, track, the, uh, the one about the saxophone, uh, raw meat, uh, torn apart by saxophone blast. Right, um, right. The, the original, it's, they changed it to saxophone. It's raw meat slashed to the sound of a trumpet. This, okay. Yeah. So this, I, I'm starting to remember now, now that I Googled it, I'm starting to remember why this is familiar to me because it is. I remember you and I obsessing about the track list for Franzo El Transista before and, and the descriptions. Uh, yeah. And so now I kind of, yeah. So uh, I guess we just found those specific recipes. Right, okay. right, right. So raw meat slashed to the sound of a trumpet. Yes. Cut a perfect cube of beef, pierce with electric currents. This is the one that I remember. I love this one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, go, go, go. And leave to infuse for 24 hours in a mixture of rum, cognac, and white vermouth. Remove from the mixture and serve on a bed of red pepper, black pepper, and snow. <laughs> chew each mouth, chew each mouthful thoroughly for one minute, separating each from the next with impetuous trumpet blasts blown by the eater. So, <laughs> I love this one because it's the eater who's playing the trumpet. Mm -hmm. It's not a team of waiters right. or cooks bursting out. Right. You just have a trumpet sitting there with you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like, that you oh that was a good bite um, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly um, 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 um. well that was very good now it's time to play the trumpet once yeah <laughs> now it's on to more food <laughs> it's so weird um, there's one the nocturnal dinner of love and again this is not a recipe it's an, it's an example but the nocturnal dinner of love has uh, um, 
the uh, sorry, it's a whole page. I'm trying to remember what it was that I was interested in. Why the nocturnal dinner of love? Of oh, uh, so it's it's these two lovers. Uh, the cook, a local brunette with ample bosom and big buttocks, comes into the terrace bearing a tray with an enormous ham on it and says to the two lovers, who are stretched out on the two deck chairs and undecided whether to resume their exertions in bed or commence the exertions at the table. <laughs> the cook says, It's a ham containing about a hundred different kinds of pig meat. Oh, but to sweeten it and get rid of its original tartness and virulence, I've had it soaking in milk for a, for a week. <laughs> Real milk, not that false stuff from the moon. So, it's, so a, it's a it's a ham of Theseus, but then you layer on top of it also the fact that it's in the that it's milk. It's been a, not the not the false stuff. Oh, from the moon. I left out the most important part. The like the sec right the sentence before the one I started with. Uh, it's Terrace in Capri, August. The moon directly above pours copious quantities of curdled milk onto the <laughs> tablecloth. <laughs> and so then the then the yeah the cook says it's a ham containing a hundred different kinds of pig meat. I've had it soaking in milk for a week. Real milk, not that false stuff from the moon. That's great. That's a great tie-over. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's so so weird. Right. Um. Oh, this. <laughs> okay, this is from the uh, the Santelia architectural meal. Um, uh, blah 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 blah. They're, these all have like they set up the whole the whole uh, scene where it takes place. Right. Um, with childlike hands. So, so there's all these like poets and painters and architects and people are gathered at this big deal. Um, oh, and they're also, they are not at the banquet. Right. They are 600 kilometers away <laughs> over the telephone. So they're, they're talking over the telephone. Right. Um, with childlike hands, they alternately erected and ate towers, skyscrapers, battleship artillery, airport ramps, belvederes, sports stadiums, military pontoons, elevated railways, one after the other. <laughs> okay. 300, and this is just stuff that they had right. in this room. 300 cubes, three centimeters high, of short crust, pa short crust pastry. Eight parallelepipeds, 10 centimeters high, of spinach cooked in butter, compressed. 10 cylinders, 30 centimeters high, of Cremona nougat. Six spheres, five centimeters in diameter, of risotto a la Milanese. So six inch diameter spheres of risotto. <laughs> uh, uh, these 10 cylinders of nougat that are a foot tall. Right. Um, five pyramids, 40 centimeters high, of cold minestrone. Oh my God. <laughs> 20 tubes, one meter tall, of date paste. Five egg-shaped blocks, 20 centimeters high, of banana paste. It's just... And then they use these things to build a house and build, like, a little Lego city. Mm -hmm. they, uh, they're, they're completely bonkers. Yeah. Um, so some of these they actually did. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the ones that I've said, they actually did. Yeah. There are other things. They had plans. They wanted government-issued yeah. pills and powders that contain all your nutrients. 
uh, so that you don't have to eat every day, hence like the getting away from pasta and routines, so right. that food can be only an experience. Right. They wanted synthetic foods. They wanted nutrients transmitted over the radio. Well, they wanted you to get your vitamins beamed into your body. Well, look, in regards to, you know, building the pasta house, you know, um, I had to go find a, uh, you know, wolf's heart for one of the key components to the house that I was building in Skyrim. So, you know, it's not entirely implausible, yeah. you know. Not entirely implausible. <laughs> And I will leave you with this last, <laughs> one last recipe. <laughs> oh my God, verbatim, this recipe. Banana surprise. Make a hole from one end to the other of a peeled banana and fill it with minced chicken meat. Uh, okay. Cook in, a, cook in a buttered skillet, gradually adding meat sauce served with vegetables. Delicious. This is awful. This is a four-year-old's cartoons of cooking. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And they wanted to be taken seriously. They were, they were a a fascist movement trying to make Italy the most powerful culture in the world. And yeah. they were like, "No, you know what you should do is put chicken right. meat inside a banana. That's yeah. cuisine." <laughs> yeah, no, th this this definitely this reminds me a lot of exactly what we were talking about before, where it's like the modern, yeah, the the, the tech boys thinking that uh, everything is right and nothing could possibly be wrong. But um, yeah, I I just I have to wonder how much of this is winking a grin, how much of this is like there's there's also this element to this them coming up with this that reminds me a little bit of um one of the th one of the 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 meta textual elements that came out of um people analyzing the way that the the alt-right and the hard right um appealed to the mainstream uh pre-trump era mm. is um that they that community realized that they could use online forums and the concept of layers of irony or layers of meta humor to their advantage yeah. because they yeah. could it's just a joke right he's exactly. just he didn't mean it right that's exactly it yeah and as long as they doubled down and recursively piled um you know, oh yeah, no, my Nazi thing's just a joke. I don't know what you're doing. Why are you getting mad at me? It's just a joke, Rob. Yeah. I drew out this picture yep. of the silly frog taking the people to the gulags. That's just a joke. What are you talking about? You know? Exactly. This... And, and you know, before Hitler invaded Poland, yeah. that's what the entire world said about him. He doesn't mean right. it. Right. He's, he's just a crank. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this, this Pranzo El Transista being a byproduct of these guys that were modern thinkers and creative minds you got to wonder how much of that is through the lens of time maybe these oh, are i would you know a, a yeah. century ago yeah. the meme boys of 4chan you know that's what it feels like <laughs> you know yeah i could see that for yeah. sure yeah they're, they're i mean yeah they definitely have that new is good old is bad destroy everything right you know smash all the statues cultural right 
uh, destruction. Right. Only new from but here. But not yeah, in a good it's way. Very... Like, you know, how far no, can we push this no real good before way. somebody's really going to, like, yell at us? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, th- I mean, that's what I said. Like, we're just going to ignore uh, the whole everything else about them. Yeah. Because, yeah, they were like, they were like bad dudes. They yeah. were, they were not great. Right. Um, but this one artifact is just so weird mm-hmm. and so strange and absurd. Right. That I had to order it and I sat down and read it in one sitting. Yeah. It's just so friggin' goofy and strange. And, you know, like, some of them, I think, because they wrote a whole manifesto, uh, Marinetti wrote this whole, he wrote the Futurist Manifesto, and then he, uh, you know, later he wrote the Futurist uh, Cuisine Manifesto, or whatever, I forget the exact name of it. Yeah. I mean, he was deadly serious about this. He really thought that this was for real, the way of the future, what we need to do, blah, blah, blah. The specific recipes, I gotta wonder if it's how many of them, because some of them they actually did and served, and it got written up in magazines and newspapers about, yeah, I went to this weird dinner, and here's how it was. Mm-hmm. Everyone, like, and people generally hated it. <laughs> oh, so they, did, so they actually they did tried not get a. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, for a couple years, like 31 to 33, they had, like, whole dinners. Wow. Where they served, you know, nine courses or something. And people were like, what the hell is this? This is (laughs) stupid. Like, is the the table setting the food or is the food the food? I don't know what I'm supposed to eat. Right, right. It was very confusing, and people were not happy generally. Like, <laughs> unless you were, unless you were already on board, yeah. you usually, you know, left. Like one, uh, one dinner, right. there were uh, crust, like crusty bread as a, as a table setting, yeah. as like decoration, and people were like, oh, thank God, there's this, and so they could eat that when they're waiting for their, you know, their one date or whatever is the next course with, you know, carnation perfume or whatever. Can I, can I anecdote for a second here? I wish you would. All right. So, um, years ago, one of the things that I tried to do, uh, was back when I was kind of moving back into the DC area and I was kind of accepting the fact that, um, Washington DC was going to be where I was going to be for, you know, the next X, Y, or Z years in order to get a career under my belt. Um, I remember my wife and I had had just gotten married and um, one of the things that I I, I still had this false preconceived notion left over. My my parents uh, were uh, as wonderful as they were. They they were um, they spent their entire lives um, aiming for the goal of coming off like they were either upper middle class or very upper class. And so they would mm. ascribe to do things that um, very much kind of like separated them from from anyone else, from from the middle class, from the lower middle class, uh, from kids. You know, they, they found ways to do mature things. They went to mature restaurants. They took us to right. uh, symphony. They they. Um, they, they would take us to the art museums, etc. And, you know, there's a, there's a 
there are chunks of that for which I am appreciative, but there's a lot of it where I remember my brother and I looking at each other and going, Jesus fucking Christ, when do we get the hell out of here? You know? Um, (laughs) And so I had this misconceived notion for many years after I hit what I could kind of shrug and and look around and kind of uh, uh, begrudgingly acquiesce to and acknowledge that, well, I guess this is adulthood because I'm married now and we are now in the process of going from an apartment into a house and there will be a child soon. And okay, well, I guess I'm now at that point in my life where I have to do those things. I have to ape those, those behaviors that my parents did where they, they did these very mature things. And so, um, Uh, I, I remember my wife and I going to, on one of our Valentine's, we went to this very, um, posh restaurant on the north side of dc which had very rave reviews and and it was spoken very highly of and it had you know it looked very classy and and you know you had to fully dress up to go in and both she and i dressed to the nines and we go in and you know the lighting is amazing there's like jazz piano you know it's it's very much like i can't believe that you know they just let me in the door here and they asked us for, you know, what we wanted and they handed us a menu. And it reminded me a lot of like there was this nagging thought in the back of my head where I was like, oh, this kind of reminds me of like what Dan and I used to joke about Franzo Altransista and how weird that was. You know? <laughs> um, and yet, you know, I went ahead with the theater of it all because I was like, well, you know, here I am trying to show her that, you know, I'm this cultured, mature adult. And, you know, look at look at the great bounty you've married as a husband. Um, and we ordered the food. The, the, the menu, by the way, was like maybe six items all told in like right. fancy, you know, uh, italic, uh, you know, high classical uh, uh, font. And the food, um, imagine um, not even like a dinner plate, but like uh, like the plate that they give you under the teacup, you know, like the, the appetizer plate or the yeah. salad plate. Right. Yeah. Um, the food took up one eighth of that. <laughs> and I remember us looking at the food and then looking at each other and going, that's not a lot of food. And then us finishing yeah. the food and, you know, we ate the, I, you know, I honestly can't remember how we ate. I just, we, we just ate the food. And then um, a long period of time passed. And then they came out and they said, <laughs> we will now bring you dessert, uh, sir and madame. And my wife and I are kind of looking at each other. Okay, all right, I guess. And they bring out what had to be like one inch by one inch by one inch cubes of tiramisu. (laughs) So that's not enough tiramisu. I'm a fat guy, but even for a skinny person, that's not enough tiramisu. All right? And I remember us finishing that dessert and... I, you know, I cannot remember to this day what the bill was, but I'm pretty sure it was at least a hundred dollars plus. And, oh um, yeah. you know, and, and we walked out and I remember my wife kind of looking at me and going, well, that was kind of weird. Uh, and then I was like, yeah, it was kind of weird. And she was like, yeah, like, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but that kind of sucked. I'm really hungry. And I was like, yeah, me too. Yeah. She was like, do you want to yeah. go to Denny's? It's like, yeah, let's go to Denny's. <laughs> yeah, that sounds way better yeah, than this. But it was so funny because, you know, it was one of those where 
it it reminds me of a, it, it parallels kind of what what what's being talked about here with the idea of you know how high can you elevate the uh the, the concept of the process of eating the meal how eloquent yeah. can you make the concept of of eating the meal before it reaches a point where it's ultimately unsatisfactory and uh yeah. i will say that uh having having come within uh probably what is uh the, the lowest end of the slider bar, uh, that restaurant versus Pranzo El Transista. <laughs> I can say that <laughs> no, all of them suck compared to going to Denny's at the end of the night. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It makes me think of uh, all those Anthony Bourdain episodes, RIP. He, yeah. uh, you know, he would take you to some amazing gastronomist, some amazing experimental chef, and he'd sit there and eat it. It's like, oh my God, this is incredible. Wow, uh-huh. this is, the things you're doing here are amazing. Right. This is exciting and new and wow this is fantastic and then he would get street food yeah yeah exactly and he's like yeah this is the best always get street food yeah yeah, this is the best anywhere right 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 (laughs) and that was always like the best was well what's everybody else eating after work yeah exactly eat that right right (laughs) yeah if everybody's saying go to gordo's in san diego you should probably go yeah 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 exactly if they're if if there's a line at the at the kebab truck, yeah. there's your answer. Yeah. You get the you, you get you in found line. the right place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that is uh, the futurist cookbook. And it sure was weird, wasn't it? Uh... <laughs> it sure was. No, it sure wasn't. Quite honestly, I've eaten like those pl- uh, <laughs> just like I described and, you know, it's uh, it, and what you know, a great it's anecdote! Just, it's was. another day in paradise. What can it's I say? So you know? And I really hope that yeah, uh, exactly. I didn't cut it out. <laughs> for yeah, I also really hope that that place goes oh, out of yeah, business yeah. so that I can go back to Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was that was uh, tonight's just pile of weird text for you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And Aaron, take us out with that officially licensed and branded Lycorama closing music. Come to the place where tropical breezes <laughs> flow. Come to the only place I know. <laughs> the music is so great. And really, there's only me. All right, that's enough. Oh, it's the cheat and the frustration. <laughs> the Sorry. That's it.